Hello, and welcome to the Research Ops Podcast, an initiative of the Research Ops community. I'm Holly Cole, one of the chairs of the Research Ops community, and I'll be your host today. I'm assuming if you're listening, then you might know a little bit about Research Ops, the mechanisms and processes that set user research in motion. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at our website, researchops.community, on our medium publications in English, French, German, and Portuguese. You can follow us at, at Team Reops on Twitter, find the group on LinkedIn, and join in the conversation at hashtag ResearchOps. We're recording a special series of the Research Ops podcasts in preparation for the Reops Conf, a partnership between learners and the Research Ops community. The conference is in New York City on Wednesday, June 8th. Today, I'm going to be talking to Avra Martin. Avra is the Director of Research Operations and AI Platform at ServiceNow. But Avra comes from a predominantly academic background. Um, she spent well over a decade at UC San Diego, where she presided over an endowment of millions. Um, she also directed many large-scale clinical research studies for places like the National Institutes of Health, specifically on geriatric mental health. That was her specialty. She's also a licensed clinical therapist who practiced for years. Um, all this might sound like someone who wouldn't be leading operations work on an AI platform at a place as big as ServiceNow, right? Um, you might be amazed what skills are useful, uh, sometimes necessary for an ops professional. Avra's going to talk about some of the different pathways and skill sets and even careers that can lead to a successful role in research ops at ReOpsConf. So welcome to the ReOps podcast, Avra. Um, so let's start with basically, how did you end up in the research ops community? What brought you to us? Ah, great question. Um, first and foremost, I, I just want to say thanks for having me. This is really <laughs> exciting. Uh, not going to lie, just feeling a little bit nervous uh, and awestruck. So this is a really exciting moment. Um, how did, well, gosh, what brought me to the, the community? So you'll learn a little bit about this in my talk, but ultimately when I got into research operations, I was coming from a completely different domain. I was coming from 15 plus years in academics. Um, and I was coming to a company that had no research operations practice. And so I needed to educate myself on what is research operations as applied to industry. Mm -hmm. So I really turned to the literature, I turned to the community and as a, a researcher by trade, I uh, just started kind of garnering the information, uh, let the eight pillars kind of lay a groundwork and foundation for getting started. Just assessing where we were as an organization, what needed to be done first, uh, and then creating kind of a strategic plan around how we advanced in. I think we started with three or the four pillars, uh, kind of started in that customer engagement, uh, environment, people and culture, how to grow the team through talent acquisition, those types of things. So um, coming full circle, ultimately, I turned to the community for education, and then I just found so much more. And now I think I'm, I'm at that place, uh, you know, oh, three and a half years later that, that I really want to start giving back and, and sharing what I've learned along the way as well. 
so you've been with us for for quite a while i i feel like once you you join us people tend to tend to stay for a while i i, I love that about the community well tell us a little bit about you're obviously a researcher a uh, somebody who really like dives in and does that background work and, and really wants to get in and use those resources. Um, a person, I'm going to put you on the spot, a personal interest out of the resources that we have out there. What's your favorite? Ooh. Um, I mean, as, as a researcher by trade, of course, I love that original mind map that was created um, I think everybody can can probably visualize what I'm talking about, um, kind of with the eight pillars and all of the different responsibilities and domains that kind of spider off of that. Mm. Um, but in in research operations in general, the thing that I feel really strongly about and drawn to is just these ideas of governance. Um, as someone who came from a career in academics and working with, with institutional review boards for so long, I think our protection of human subjects, their intellectual property, how we interact with them as a business is incredibly important and often overlooked. So I hone in on anything in that realm. Mm, there's, you have plenty of friends on the <laughs> research ops board. Trust I me. do, I do. And, and, and I know we have a talk about that in just a couple of weeks. So I'm super excited about that one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, tell me, okay, so let's talk a bit, a little, a little bit about your talk. Um, how did, you are talking about diving into this from academia per se, but tell us a little bit about your own backstory in academia and how you ended up talking about what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Um, so as you know, my, my talk is all roads lead to Rome and, and how to launch into careers in research operations. I think it's really important because honestly, I don't think that there is, there's not a curriculum for what we do. And so I think it, it's up to us to kind of educate and inspire people to pursue this research career from all different disciplines. And, and I think it's one that um, really embraces diversity of thought and backgrounds um, for myself, like I, I won't get into the weeds right now because I'll talk about this in my talk and hopefully it'll inspire people to want to go and learn more about me. Um, but ultimately coming from 15 years in academics, I, there, there was kind of this feeling when I knew that I wanted to look at other, other roles and positions. It was like, how do the skills that I have and have acquired over this long career translate into other other roles and you know just sitting down with a friend and really talking about you know my role as a study coordinator my role as a postdoc my role as um as the director of a, a geriatric psychiatry department running 27 multi-million dollar studies at any given time how those really translated to these different requirements for a job overseeing a research operations um function and you know it, i i think there's 
so much need in the industry. As I as I hired talent, I now have a, a 10 person uh, research Ooh. operations team at ServiceNow. Like everybody comes from really different disciplines and really different backgrounds. And like just picking on the, the really cool skills and the way that they interact with customers, the way that they can articulate themselves through it in written word. You know, I have an insights librarian in my team and just really seeing how the different things that they have done out in the different parts of their career come together um, to really make a successful research operations team. And so I, I think, you know, just honing in on those stories and those skills and those experiences so everyone can see how the things that they have done can translate and can be applied when they're looking at that job description going, I've never done any of those things, but maybe, maybe you have, they're just called something different. Yeah. Tell me what was, what was kind of the spark that transitioned you out of academia and, and into research ops? What was that turning point for you? You know, I think it was a long time coming. Um, you know, after my postdoctoral fellowship, uh, which was uh, funded through the National Institute of Health, I studied schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. Um, but I knew I, I loved business. And so instead of launching into an independent research career, I actually went into being in more of an executive leadership job, uh, overseeing the department for four years. And I knew that I loved kind of like all of those things that make a business run. I love operational spending. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, like I said, I love governance, talent acquisition, you know, process procedures, really, really keeping everything moving in a very cohesive way. Um, and, and, and I knew that I wanted something, um, sorry to any of my academic friends, a little bit more fast paced. Mm -hmm. um, I find that that um, academics can move pretty slowly. I've, I've sat in a lot of meetings to talk about what we're going to talk about in the next meeting. Um, and so I started looking, you know, across all industry jobs and, and saw all of these operations, maybe not even research operations, but operational roles. And I, I really felt like, oh, like those types of activities are what get me into flow. And so maybe I need to start looking for something in that realm. And, you know, this opportunity at ServiceNow came up and, and the role just sounded perfect for, you know, my background. And, and so, you know, sitting down with, with a, a friend and now colleague really talking about like, so I've done this, which means this. Okay, how do I write that in my resume in a way that the recruiter will understand that I actually have those skills? And, you know, it all came together and, you know, uh, within about a, I don't know, 12 week period of time from application, I was, you know, sitting in a, a, an entire new setting at ServiceNow. So how long have you been at ServiceNow, just out of curiosity? Uh, three and a half years. I don't know. Yeah. And another question out of curiosity, do you miss an institutional review board? No, <laughs> no, I don't miss them. I have other things that I wait on now. Um, not to I, I don't level. either. Um, yeah. But no, but you know, I actually really appreciate, appreciate like, the level of concern that they have about human subjects, about doing the right thing, about ethical and legal considerations. And so I appreciate what it taught me. Yeah. What, 
Agreed. I certainly feel like there are um, crossovers that mm -hmm. could and should happen in in business since we do have comparisons in for example procurement yep. that run yep. just as slow for different <laughs> reasons and you have to have a similar amount of documentation it feels like sometimes um you do but i mean that's all of those things are about protection protection of a business protection, you know, of a, uh, of a person. And so I think sometimes the pendulum swings a little too hard in the wrong direction, but I think there, there's, there's good behind it. So speaking of, of those kinds of things, what, what do you think are some of the main challenges for research ops uh, when it's embedded in organizations like you are? And I think that there's a couple things I feel I feel like to a lot of people who are listening probably will be kind of preaching to the choir. I mean, I think the number one hardest part of research operations is just resources and and just this deep desire to do so many things, but only being able to do a, a smaller amount of them based on how many you know individuals you have working in the domain. Um, I think it can often be hard. I, I feel like re research operations uh, practitioners are often kind of enablers. <laughs> you know, like we we enable a, a research organization, and for for us that means um, between eighty and ninety researchers on our team, mm. um, and there's there's ten of us, and you know we have a very um, strategic roadmap of the things that we want to work on in any given year, but then we have the needs of these 80 to 90 stakeholders um, that you know, are, are reaching out with different needs and concerns and things that they need support with. And so I think you know, trying to always help support the entire team while keeping the eye on the, the long-term priorities and roadmap that you made for, for your projects as well. So I think the, those are kind of the tricky things in balancing a research function. <laughs> what would you say to the, um, because I think we all see this, that there's been a, an influx of reops roles out there um, that are, for better or for worse, kind of catch-alls of all eight pillars. Yeah. Or, and yeah. for one person, and they're, they're expected to do you know, uh, an insights or knowledge repository, as well as participant recruitment and vendor management. Um, what would you say is maybe the best way to go about managing those asks yeah. when you yeah. have one person and I mean, that that's so tough. I mean, that was us for probably the first year. Luckily, we grew pretty quickly. Um, I think the most important thing is knowing who your primary stakeholders are, sitting down with them, workshopping with them, like what are the core needs of the organization right now? Um, creating a roadmap and a strategy around how to address those areas. 
making sure that everybody has the visibility of what you're working on in any given moment. Because um, I think visibility goes a long way for people if they know that, you know, their their need is is on your roadmap somewhere and that this is the thing that you are you are focused on in this moment. Um, I think that then they give you some latitude and time to then make the headway that you need to before switching over. Um, you know, I, I can I have I have kind of this. Um, this quote that, that I have in front of me that says, you can do anything, but not everything. And I think that that's an important quote for, for the, the one person research ops or even the three person research ops org is what is the priority, focus on that priority, get it to a place where it's functioning at a pretty good level and then go on to the next thing. Don't do a little bit of everything all at once. It's a losing battle. I think also understanding that you get things to a place that they're good enough and then you can go back to them. Like mm. you have to be incredibly flexible as research operations professionals and understand that things are always going to change. Everything that we do is a living document in some ways because the needs of an organization change over time. What works today might not work in a year or two, and that is okay. So do you mind if I dig into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah you're someone who's who's actually <laughs> it's it's not often we get somebody who's you know got a larger organization. Um, so a lot of the newer people getting into this yeah. have difficulty defining who their stakeholders are, not just because you very, to me, very rightly described, you know, your 80 or 90 researchers as customers. <laughs> yeah. They're both customers and stakeholders. Yeah, we are, we are, we are, we are a service. Yeah. <laughs> An internal service like IT, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have a, a roadmap like IT does because they want to upgrade everyone's computers and, sure. but they also are constantly fixing everyone's computers because they need to be upgraded. Um, and then there's also, you know, research leadership's um, goals and, and roadmap. And then there's the organization's goals that mm -hmm. operations serves. What would be your best advice in helping someone understand how their role as a reops professional inside, you know, a small to medium maybe UX organization might fall with an executive team and their UX leadership. What are some good tricks and tips to maybe make sure that they're not doing silent work that isn't seen by anyone other than their boss? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great question. I think I've been very blessed in my role because I am part of our uh, research leadership team. And so I think that helps in really understanding like what's happening in the different BUs and really getting alignment and buy-in from my peers. Mm. Um, I would say the more you can be embedded first with research leadership, so not just the head of research, but research leadership for maybe the different domains or functions or pillars or orgs or BUs, however, however mm -hmm. your, uh, your organization does it. Um, and that may mean going to extended leadership meetings 
scheduling a ops meeting every other week, every fourth week with those individuals to um, understand their needs, but also give them visibility of what you're working on. I also think it's helpful to have a working team of say one researcher across each of the different BUs or pillars or organizations um, that are part of your broader insights team. So you can understand kind of the needs of the researchers on the team without necessarily having too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm. I also think if there are operations professionals outside of insights, which there typically are um, in our organization, we have um, a business operations function, we have a people and culture uh, function, we have a design operations team and a program management team and research operations is that we make sure that we're meeting continuously to understand um, where we could potentially be duplicating efforts, where we could come together in alignment, where we can lean on each other for support, um, what could be a dependency or a barrier for the work that we're doing, and how we're really moving the entire broader organization forward um, from an operational standpoint instead of having all of our dis different disciplines in silos. So, um, so circling back is making sure that you are having regular meetings and visibility with the broader research leadership team, that you have a small working group of researchers that you're connecting with regularly, and then making sure that you're in contact with other operations professionals, both within your team, whether it be like for myself, the experience organization, but even broader product management within, uh, within a company. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like, oh, hell yeah, that. Um, so well, thank you for that. I'm just totally off topic from your talk, but very good, very, very good advice. And uh, yeah, um, well, that I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. Is there anything else you want to give us like people that people might learn about you from your talk or event? Or would that be giving away too much of your special? Oh. I feel like yours very much is, is, it might have that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I just want to make it really relatable for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, I really want to, to empathize and to normalize the fact that, um, you know, I think we all have like a little bit of imposter syndrome and like, you know, how do, how do I fit into this? Is this even something that I can do? Like, does this make sense for me? And, and it could be getting into research ops, but it could also be like moving around research ops. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be, how do I move into broader ops? You know, is, is really understanding how, how we are more than the, you know, actual activities that we've done in our career uh, and that we all bring a lot to the table. Because trust me, nobody can do all eight pillars alone no i had no. to I, mm -hmm. I i absolutely had to ask that question oh yeah i, I mean I, I for some reason the image that came up in my mind is is you know that the old like photo of the person that has like a big drum and then like the symbols and like a harmonica and like all of those things attached to their body the one-man band 
Yes, the one man band. One man band. I don't know if they the, play. Good there's music. a person that that actually there's a one man band <laughs> on the street out there by Twitter headquarters in San Francisco that I've seen before that is like doing it on stilts, and I'm like, that's that's the person on stilts. <laughs> yeah, or, that's that's I, the one. That's the one person reops org. Yeah, that that's and that's just not. I also think of the people spinning plates on sticks. Oh, yeah, and no. like on their head, like, no, that's just, mm, it's just not sustainable. Um, and, and if this is your first foray into a research ops role, and you're trying to take on a job where it is all the things, and it is a research ops associate, do not feel bad if it is totally overwhelming, because frankly, people, I would not be able to do that. Would you, yeah. Avra? Absolutely not. No? No, and this is this is where sometimes we have to just get really good at saying no, but mm. providing a really good response to why and what we're doing instead. If you need a good response to why, point people to this podcast because <laughs> both the head of research ops at ServiceNow and one of the chairs of the research ops community say, you can't do it all. That's not one person, it's multiple people. Thank you. And on that note, Avra, thank you. I'm so excited to get to meet you in a couple of weeks. It's just a few weeks. Yay! I'm so excited too. I cannot believe it. I know. So thanks for having me. Uh, well, well, and we will be super happy to have you again in New York City soon. <laughs> and that's the end of today's podcast. Don't forget, you can find tickets to the Reops Comp 2022 at reopsconf2022.joinlearners.com. It's on Wednesday, June 8th, in person in New York City or online. You can see Bridget, myself, most of the REOPS board, all our speakers, and of course, others from the community at the conference. We're really looking forward to seeing you all there. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to hear more, please subscribe or join us in the Research Ops community. If there's someone you'd like us to talk to, please let us know at team at researchops.community. We hope you'll join us next time at the Research Ops podcast. I'm Holly Cole, and I'll see you on the Slack.